This is Tony Bizella, head women's basketball coach at Seton Hall University, and you're listening to West Coast Pirates. Seconds to go down by two. Here's Whitehead. Guarded by Ochefu. Gets the step into the lane. Goes to the bucket. Layup. Rolls around and in. And a foul. Whitehead ties the game. Pow from Trenton. Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes. From just west of the Ward Place Gate in San Diego, California. He is Mike Deziri, class of 2001. I am Tom Kaharski, class of 1997. And we are Left Coast Pirates. Welcome to a special edition of Left Coast Pirates. We've got a great one for you. We've got a special interview with a special backcourt today, Mike. Are you excited? Of course, Tommy, I'm excited. You know, we have a great backcourt that's coming on the show today. Coach Bazella has gotten Seton Hall women's basketball back on the map in the last decade, reaching postseason play, not only in the NIT, but also in the NCAA tournament. And he did it by setting the stage with a dynamic backcourt in Dacia Simmons and Kadidra Simmons back in the 2014-2015 campaign. But now we have a rival talent manning the backcourt for the Pirates. You have Lauren Park Lane and Maya Jackson taking Big East opponents to task. Tony's got his pace of play offense, and these girls can light it up and lock you down. And they're not going anywhere. They're only sophomores. So there's plenty of basketball ahead. They have another two, potentially three years ahead of them. And I think they're going to take Seton Hall to some uncharted levels that we haven't seen as a fan base before. So absolutely excited to kind of hear their perspective of everything going on within the program, understanding how the COVID pauses have impacted the student athlete, but ultimately kind of just breaking it down and talking hoops. You know, and more from a personal standpoint, Mike, being a father of three daughters, you've got these great ambassadors for the game. You've got these talented women and they're examples set for all sorts of uh, girls who want to play sports. You know, I've got all three of mine playing basketball and unfortunately they've got to have me as coach but this is something they can point to and say hey look at those ladies they are true examples that i could follow here well they're they're actually heroes for even the younger generation so my little daughter lily who i mentioned uh, on the previous podcast couldn't wait till we got the zoom up so before we got started she could sit in my lap and say hello to these you know the, in her, their eyes you know, these two icons. I mean, she doesn't know what the difference between a professional basketball player and a collegiate athlete is. To her, they are just larger than life. So they also get to play role models within our Seton Hall community. And I think that's that's awesome. And a big special thanks to Matt Sweeney for helping us coordinate this interview. I'm super excited. Here we go. They are the starting backcourt for the ladies of Seton Hall. One is a five foot six sophomore point guard from Wilmington, Delaware, scoring 19 points a game, getting 5.6 assists. The other is a five foot seven sophomore shooting guard from Wilmington, Ohio, scoring 13.4 points a game 
game, shooting 50% from three. Please welcome to Left Coast Pirates Live, Lauren Park Lane and Maya Jackson. Ladies, how are you today? Good, how are you? We're doing great, how are you guys? Doing well, just to let you know, Tom brings the energy, so you gotta, you gotta step it up a notch. I, he kinda normally scares the guests with that opening intro, so hang in there, okay? <laughs> All right. So normally when we kind of start our shows, we kind of, you know, kick it off with kind of a COVID-19 wellness check in with our guests. But, you know, you guys being a part of the women's team have been no stranger to COVID-19 impact so far for the season. Back on November 20th, you guys had to cancel the first three games of the season for pause number one, making the first game December 8th versus St. Peter's. Then you guys find out that Coach Bazella won't be coaching opening night due to the fact that he had COVID himself. And then on the 18th, yet again, pause number two, Marquette and Georgetown games are postponed. And then finally the Creighton game gets postponed and UConn gets pushed up onto the schedule. And then ultimately they get postponed again as well. So it's probably just been a crazy and insane time in this world. And it's gotta be a credit to you guys as student athletes for persevering through it all. But what we wanna know is we wanna kind of get it from your perspective, explain how frustrating it all has been with all the starting and stopping throughout the season. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think it has been a little frustrating for us just because everybody, you know, wants to play, um, you know, wants to have a certain consistency about the season. But unfortunately, we don't have that right now. So what we've really been focusing on is just staying positive about the situation and, you know, kind of enjoying the time that we do get to play. That's what we're kind of trying to hold on to. And Lauren, yourself? Yeah, I agree with mine. It's been a little frustrating, uh, especially and early we were shut down it felt like almost every other week um so there wasn't that consistency that we've all been craving but you know no one's really had the consistency this season um every team's going through it so you know we're just trying to like Maya said find the positives and everything and you know take it one game at a time and stay healthy was there even a fear that with the pauses being so early on in the season that you might not even have a season at that point yeah, I mean, we definitely had those thoughts that maybe the season would get, would get canceled again. Um, thankfully, it didn't. But yeah, those early pauses definitely kind of, you know, set a lot of teams back, kind of like how um, LP said. And so, you know, but just being able to get past that and then actually start to play some games was, was definitely helpful. You know, I'll tell you, it's been almost impressive how the student athletes have been handling this. The level of maturity just to survive has been impressive. But also, it's been kind of sad to me because you're kind of almost missing those years of college when you kind of have when you have the opportunity to mess around a little bit. But there's got to be a concern for the mental health of the players as well. What has it been like to be in isolation, not once but twice for you ladies? Um, luckily for me, I live in Delaware. So once we were on pause, I was able to actually go home and spend time and be with my family. So I got to do like jog outside, unlike like everybody that was in isolation. So I really haven't experienced like what the true isolation feels like. But speaking with my teammates, I know that it's been really hard for them. Yeah, I um, actually was in isolation the first time. And so, you know, that was actually really tough. You know, you're in a room alone. You know, you don't really get a lot of physical contact. You know, you're just, 
in the same place for 10 days and it's definitely tough like you're used to going outside used to being able to just walk around get some fresh air but we couldn't do any of that and so you know once we got through that we just made sure that everybody was okay you know everybody was mentally you know stable um and then the second time i was actually able to go home so that was nice um so that was a, obviously a step up from the, from the first time Outside of the isolations for the individual pauses, you guys are still isolating pretty much as a team, kind of staying within your own little circle or bubble, so not you know exposing yourself to the outside elements of other possible exposures. You know, what are you guys doing in terms of family, boyfriends, to kind of balance that aspect of, of your social element that you're used to? Really, it just takes a lot of getting used to. I, for me, I'm like always on the phone. So I find my time. I That's what I do like in my free time. Like once we're out of practice, you know, get on the phone with my friends from back home or my parents and my or my little brother. That's really the most I've been able to do, you know, cause like you said, once we're at leave practice, we're told to go to our room, stay in our room, only leave for food. So like, it's really, you can't really go out and be social with like people that you usually can. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. A lot of FaceTime, a lot of, you know, talking on the phone, that's the same exact thing that I've been doing. Um, and luckily, you know, we are able to spend some time together, like as a team, but outside of the team, we don't really get to see, you know, many other people or friends that we would normally be able to without these circumstances. So I feel FaceTime definitely helps. So one of the things we like doing with the former players that we talked to, we always are interested in finding out why you chose Seton Hall and, and what other schools you were looking to go to at the points. What ultimately made you decide to become a pirate? Um, you know, for me, what ultimately, you know, it made me want to come to Seton Hall was definitely, you know, I thought it was a great family atmosphere. Um, when I came on my visit, everyone seemed to really be in tune with one another. Um, everyone seemed to, you know, really just enjoy being around one another. And that's what I was looking for. You know, I'm eight and a half hours from home. So, you know, being that far away, it's like, okay, I want to go somewhere where I feel comfortable to be able to talk to people. And, you know, even outside of that, just the um, basketball program, you know, I saw that they were trying to build something. And I saw that, you know, we had an opportunity to come in and, you know, be productive and be a part of that. So that was really important. And the last thing was really the academics also. Seton Hall is a great academic school. And that was something that was important for me, you know, for my major. Um, and so that was another reason why I chose Seton Hall. What other schools were recruiting you, Maya? Um, so my top two were Seton Hall and then University of Cincinnati. And so those were the two that I was really like, you know, trying to debate. And University of Cincinnati is 45 minutes from home. So it was really hard to, you know, kind of leave home. But at that point, that was the, uh, the, the decision that I wanted to make. Okay, Lauren, same question for you. I would say I chose Seton Hall, one for the, like Maya said, the family atmosphere that they have, you know, once I, when I came on my visit, everybody was like really cool. And, you know, you could tell like everybody liked each other. There wasn't any like animosity between like everybody. And also I really was interested in playing in the Big East. When I think of the Big East, I think of just like all the good, like it's like a guard basically. So, you know, there's a bunch of like great guards that come out of the Big East. So I just wanted to get into all of that also. So. That's really why I chose to come to Seattle. And any other schools recruiting you? 
Yeah, I, it was my top two were between um, St. Hall and then my hometown school, which is um, University of Delaware, which is 20 minutes from my house. So I was like, you know what? I don't think I want to be that close to home. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I, I moved away from my from mom after school was done as well. I was done with home. We moved yeah. 3,000 miles away from everybody. How about that? <laughs> All right, let's let's go back to some of the COVID pause stuff. So obviously it wasn't just starting and stopping, but you guys, as I mentioned earlier, were impacted by losing Coach Bazella to a period of time, and that opened the door for assistant coach Lauren DeFalco to fill in for Tony while he was out recovering. You know, how would you say the coach did in those first couple of games? Um, I would say that she did a really great job. I mean, you know, coming in, you know, being the assistant, like obviously you talk to the head coach a lot and you guys are on the same page, but coming in, you know, having to kind of take over that and do it herself. And, you know, I think she told us that we were great, you know, like kind of being able to welcome her in like at that new role. Um, And, you know, she uh, may have seemed like a little nervous, but I think she did a great job and she was able to, you know, kind of get us together, keep us motivated and then kind of go from there. Lauren, what would you say are the two different styles between Coach DeFalco and Coach Bazella, or they kind of have the same mantra within the program? I would say Coach Coach DeFalco, she brings, like, the youthful side of the game, while Coach B is, like, stuck in his, like, did my way or the highway, which is okay. But, you know, when when Falk took over, I think she did a really good job as well especially because they're really close. Everybody knows that they're like, almost like they, I would say like their best friends. So they're always together. They're always talking about basketball. So when Coach B, once it was announced that he wasn't coming back, you know, I think everybody was more than comfortable with her stepping in because, you know, she knows what she's doing and she knows how he wanted the program ran. He had like, and he told her, I believe, like he had a lot of confidence in her to do the way, do it the way she wanted to. He didn't want her to just do it by the book of coach B. He wanted her to step outside her comfort zone and, you know, run the team the way she would run her team. And I think she did a really good job. So let me take a moment to stick it to Mike a little bit here. You know, last year I was a guest of Coach B sitting on the sidelines while you were practicing, getting ready for the Big East tournament for your game against Butler. And, you know, it seemed like Coach B has his assistants take a real big part of it, you know, Coach Rabimbas is out there yelling, you know, Coach DeFalco's out there yelling. So it kind of seemed like there's already a lot of action between the assistant coaches anyway. So maybe that helped with the slide, no? Yeah, I think that too. Well, that was going to be my question. Tony's very vociferous on the sidelines. Was Lauren as demonstrative as she kind of yeah. throughout the game? Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> the looks on their faces. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. She definitely was. Yeah. She's. She's very energetic. Maybe not as energetic as Coach B, but she still has a lot of energy. And she doesn't like losing. So you, you're, you're going to be able to see that while she's coaching. Um, if we're not doing what we need to be doing, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, you know, she's going to tell you and she's going to – you're going to be able to tell that she's not – she's upset with us. But I think that, um, you know, because like, like Opie said, she's definitely very open and, like, about what you didn't do and what you need to do, like, and what we need to do to win. And I don't think she's as, I guess, Coach B gets a lot more, like, excited, like, moving around, jumping up and down, getting on the ground, stuff like that. Like, Falk is more, like, in your face, like, let's go clapping it up in your face like that. And so I think that that's the difference. But they both have their own way of showing you their energy and um, passion for the game. All right, let's let's stop talking about pandemics and coaching philosophies and personalities. Let's actually get into some basketball 
So right out of the gate, you guys are smoking hot. 107 to 60 victory over St. Peter's. You tie the program record for most points scored in a game. And then you back that up with a 96 to 53 victory over Wagner. And the team shoots 59%. Maya, you had a career high 27 on 11 from 16 from the floor and only 25 minutes of play. Everyone keeps on saying that pauses are going to kind of cause rusty play out of the gate when you kind of get reacclimated. But your team was able to stay so sharp. How did you guys do that the first couple of games? I really think it was because of our ability to be able to have um, a few good practices before we played. And although they weren't, you know, as plentiful as we would have kind of liked it to be, I think we were still able to get in and do what we needed to do and be able to go over our scout and just be able to, again, like I said, be confident, be positive about our situation. Um, You know, at that point, like you guys had said, we had been, um, you know, like on a pause and so being able to play those first couple games you know I think we were all really excited like really ready to play and so that energy that we had you know coming in was definitely helpful I believe that our team being in like the great shape that we're all in it helped us a lot in the games that we played early in the season you know um in the off season you could really tell like me, Maya, you know Desiree we were all taking it very seriously and we all came in game shape if you were asked me so even though we went on pause it didn't it it affected it impacted us of course because we want to be playing stuff but once we got off of the pause we were like you know what let's get into these games like we haven't played yet like we're all very anxious and I think that also played a big role in it too just like we like we want to be out there we want to get this all done you know well, it was go time. It was like, all right, yeah. I'm going to sit on the sideline. Let's do it. I get it. Right. And it doesn't hurt knowing that Coach B wants to get that pace going when, when, when the game starts anyway. So yeah. the team ends up entering conference play 2-1, and one, and you've got to play your fourth game in eight days against no other than UConn. And I guess Lauren was inspired by Maya's performance or maybe a little bit of – Anything you can do, I can do better because she broke out for a career high of 29 points, 9 of 10 from the free throw line to go along with six assists against only two turnovers. Now the Huskies ended up pulling away, 92-65. And after the game on Twitter, UConn freshman Paige Bukers was getting all this hype. But I love how Coach DeFalco went on and wasn't having any of that. She made sure her tweet was heard. And she came out and said, you know, Paige had a great game and deserves a ton of coverage. But if we want to continue to grow women's basketball, then we should be tweeting about both point guards in this game. And then went on to lay out your stat line. Now, Lauren, how did that make you feel about Coach DeFalco? I mean, she you got to recognize that she's got your back there, that you're having success, and she's going out for you on a limb. Um, Yeah. I would say since freshman year, I've always known that Falco had a lot of confidence in me. Even, like, with my whole, like, starting and everything last year, I could see it, and I still do see it from her, like, now uh she just has a lot of confidence confidence in me just like coach b does too so i just appreciate her a lot for that maya does that kind of fuel the rivalry the next time you take the court they're kind of talking so much trash after the game after they beat you guys when you guys actually did represent pretty well for the first half 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we talk about this all the time. And, you know, it's a very competitive game when we play UConn, right? And so everybody, you know, is on edge. Like, they're, you know, ranked really high. And they're just coming back into the Big East. And for us, that definitely motivates and, and fuels us. And even me, you know, I mean, I think after the game, I would say they're really happy they won, you know, all that. But I think next time we play them, it's going to be even more competitive and even more fire from from both sides. But for us, we're just re really trying to focus on winning that game. And that's what our goal is. All right. So some of the other stuff that the fans love about Tony's program is that when the offense is working, the Lady Pirates are totally fun to watch because you guys can score the basketball. Through eight games this year, the team is averaging just under 80 points a game, which embodies that pace of play that coach is always uh, preaching. How much fun is it to play in that style of basketball? Oh, I, it's really fun, especially when we're making a lot of shots. You know, everybody's hype. You know, the coaches are hype. Um, usually the fans are hype, but, you know, COVID. Yeah, uh, I also agree. It's really fun to play in that type of um system i mean that's another big reason why you know i i personally enjoy playing here is because we're able to get the ball up and down the court and having a point guard just as fast like as fast as lp being able to push that ball and get you open shots and even get her shot i think that's really really important and that's and that's a great way to like to play like teams you know sometimes struggle to keep up because like she said we're in shape but also that pace of just moving the ball up and down the court is is, is um, really effective so let's talk more about being in shape coach must think you guys are in great shape to play that kind of pace the entire game because he's got you both logging big minutes. I mean, right now you guys lead the team in minutes played. Lauren, you're averaging 36.4 minutes per game. Maya, you're at 29.6. Can you guys keep up that workload or do you need to get more contributions from some of the other teammates on the roster uh, off the bench? Um, I definitely believe that we can definitely keep up that workload. But as far as, you know, having contributions from other people, I think that's still going to come, like, no matter what. You know, whether or not we're um, playing a certain amount of minutes, you know, our, our bench, people come off the bench, you know, the other starters are definitely going to contribute in some way. Um, so we are definitely able to handle that load, but other people are definitely going to contribute also. Yeah, I agree. I think that one thing with like me and Maya is, like, you can just tell, like, we have a very high motor that doesn't really run out. but. I believe that we probably have like a we have probably one of the deepest benches in the Big East, but nobody has really seen it yet because, you know, we're still trying to figure out like lineups and all that other stuff. And Coach B is trying to figure a way to like find opportunities to get other people in the game, which is really hard as a coach. So I understand. But I believe like later on in the season, you guys are going to see like we have actually a really good bench. Oh, I don't doubt it. I'm sure it's hard to get those girls' minutes off the bench, especially with the way you guys are playing. And now Espinosa Hunter doesn't seem to be able to miss a shot. I mean, she's just draining from three. But Coach Tony would be sitting here yelling at us if we didn't mention that offense isn't the only thing that this team takes seriously. I mean, yesterday in the win against Marquette, you held them scoreless for over eight minutes in the second quarter. So apparently this isn't just run and gun and have fun, but this is break them down. So what's more enjoyable, locking down your opponents or lighting them up in the scoreboard? <laughs> oh, that's, that's tough. That's tough because obviously you want to lock down on defense and you want to score. So it's like they both just go hand in hand. Like you get, like you're getting stops. You get on the other end. Like you're ready to just score the ball like like down their throat. So I think they both just go hand in hand. To me, it's 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 it's, it's pretty even. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I feel like defense is the right answer, but I don't want to lie. 
it's, it's hard. It's like you want to get those stops, like you want to hold them for us, like keep them from scoring. But then you go back on the other end, and like you get a bucket, and now you get another stop. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Right. You know, to Maya's point about Lauren being fast, there was someone tweeted out a clip from yesterday's game where there was a loose ball on the ground, and Lauren somehow you outran two Marquette <laughs> girls that were actually already at full speed and got that ball. And I was just, just a little thing sometimes in games makes you go, "Oh my goodness, that girl is fast." I just yeah, I, just I saw that Maya's, one too. I just love Maya's killer killer instinct. Let's step on their throats. We we just locked them down in D. Let's let's throw a three in their eye. I love it. I love it. All right, uh, we had Coach Bazella on the show earlier this year, and we asked him an interesting question. We said, "Hey, uh, by the end of four years at Seton Hall, how special of a backcourt can th- this duo become?" And he had a lot of flattering things to say, putting you guys up there with some of the all-time greats in Pirate program history. Uh, but now that got Tom and I thinking, right? You have two, maybe even three more years after this one because this year doesn't count in terms of eligibility. So if you guys want to come back for a fifth year, you could do so. We need to start building up like a brand for this dynamic backcourt, right? The, and the only way to really do that is to kind of come up with a cool nickname. So here's what we want to do. We want to kind of be your <laughs> personal marketing team. And I want to throw out a couple ideas that we're kind of, we've been bouncing off the wall. And then after that, Maybe we can get a vote on Twitter or we could crowdsource it and take a vote. So here's what I got so far. I got I got fire and ice. Uh, we got like the dynamic duo. We got shake and bake. What, do, what are you guys thinking here? I like fire and ice. <laughs> I was about to say that one or um, what was the last one you just said? Uh, shake and bake. I like the first one better too. <laughs> You know, this one got me really worried because you got two old guys trying to come up with cool nicknames for you. So I was a little bit concerned that you were going to laugh us off the podcast. I don't know. First one's one's pretty good. We got to roll with this thing. Okay, we're we're going to start marketing this. We're we're making Fire and Ice t-shirts. Okay. (laughs) Now we in. All right, ladies, if you've ever listened, before we let our guests leave, we make them walk the plank. We're going to ask you five rapid-fire questions. We want five rapid-fire answers coming back. Don't think too long about it. Just the first thing that comes in your head. You guys ready for this? Yes. Okay, ladies, here we go. Question number one. Most points scored in any game at any level? 29. 42? Toughest road environment you've ever played in? Creighton. Marquette. Game-winning basket or game-winning steal? Basket. Steal. Favorite women basketball player of all time? Elena Dovedon. Diana Tarazi. Best Seton Hall player you've seen play, men's or women's? Can I say myself? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I second that. I second that. I'll say Didi. But I've never seen Didi play, so I'll say Miles Powell. All right, bonus question. I'm going to go back to high school here. Lauren, you were named Delaware Defensive Player of the Year in 2019. Maya, you hold school and county scoring records with over 2,000 career points. I want to know who is winning the one-on-one matchup. Mm. Mm. (laughs) I'm too competitive to say Maya. Me. <laughs> Congratulations, ladies. You, you've walked the plank. You know, what I find interesting is last year, I got an opportunity to, to interview Shadeen. 
And when we asked her, when I asked her the question about how many points she scored and she couldn't come up with it, she couldn't come up with it. And you guys took a little bit of time to think about it as well. And the guys, they know which way the wind was blowing. They knew if it was raining outside. So I'm always kind of impressed. that It almost seems like you guys got a little bit more of a humility or a team sense because it's just funny to listen well, to them. Sometimes. I was like, Marcus Tony, I was like a Belgium, you know, pro-am game. And I'm like, what? <laughs> we're, not counting, we're not counting the time you were at the park. No, no park games here. So. Right. Well, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today, Lauren and Maya. We wish you nothing but the best for the rest of the season, and we're going to say go Pirates. Thank you so much for having thank us. Thank you so much, yes. Uh, go, go take Butler to the woodshed tomorrow. Do me a favor. We got of you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Left Coast Pirates. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other of your favorite listening platforms. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter, with our handle at Elcos Pirates. We are also proud members of the What You Expect Network of Podcasts. And don't miss out on any of our previous episodes that include interviews with Seton Hall legends, Danny Calandrillo, Mark Bryant, Andrew Gaze, Shaheen Holloway, and many others. For Tom Kaharski, I'm Mike Deziri, and you've been listening to Left Coast Pirates. 